Hello, my name is John O'Connell, and welcome to AMX Fika Leadership Podcast. So over these podcasts, I'll be speaking to some inspirational and innovative data and analytic contributors from across industry and the health and care sectors. I'll be asking each of them to share with us some of the exciting work they have underway, which is helping to shape the health and care analytics space, as well as asking some of them their motivational insights into their career paths to date. So why FICA? FICA is a social phenomenon in Sweden, I thought I'd borrow. It's a legitimate reason to set aside some really quality time to catch up with friends, family and colleagues over a coffee and a cake. So joining myself today is Raymond Hannon, Healthcare Life Science Research Lead uh, at Google. We met Raymond at uh, Confed Expo and we discussed uh, all things uh, healthcare and cloud computing related. And we thought it'd be really interesting for our listeners to get Raymond onto the FICA podcast, where he could give an overview of how he engages with the health and care systems and what data analytics, uh, data analytics looks like from his perspective, coming from a private sector organization. Raymond mentioned as well to me that he's really passionate about helping people, helping systems and community really leverage data analytics and technology to help improve lives and improve healthcare outcomes. So welcome, Raymond. Really delighted to have you join us on AMX FICA podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much, John, for inviting me. I'm really pleased to be here. And uh, I have had uh, a lot of various experience in my life, and I'm always looking out of how I can give back to community, to people. And that's why I'm currently in healthcare. And looking back, everything kind of come together, but we're going to talk more about that. Fantastic. Well, lovely that you're able to join us. I, I totally concur with that. Really, to give something back. But no, thank you. And we always start off with our listeners because there's always a speakers about having coffee or cake with friends. Um, what's your? Were you a coffee or tea drinker, uh, Raymond? And what's your favorite cake? Uh, that's a tough one, but I would <laughs> say <laughs> I am a tea drinker. Yeah. And uh, when it's come to cake, it got to be a sticky toffee pudding. Oh, you well, can <laughs> very indulgent there <laughs> no thanks for sharing that with us so for our listeners Ray, what we always try and do is you know when we spoke you had a fascinating journey would you able to sort of tell us your career journey today and any sort of insights you've kind of picked up along the way uh which you think would be interested to our sort of analytical community you're really interested to hear about those yes yes um definitely i would say i have a very unusual career I don't think I follow the typical career path to be at Google that most young people are following. Like most young people in at school or university are a bit lost, I would say to not worry about. So I was born in uh, West Africa in a place called Zendaya uh, in a country called Niger, probably currently rated as the poorest country in the world. And it just happened that Zendaya is also the poorest city or state in Niger. And I was born there. My parents are from the Daomi Kingdom. My dad is, and my mom is from Senegal. I went to school there. Then I got, I went to university, got a scholarship to study medicine, started studying medicine at the university in Niger for three years. And then realized quickly that for Financial reason, I'm one of the child of 13. I have 12 brothers and sisters. 
and that was number 12. Uh, financially, it could, uh, it's not sustainable. So I had to look for something else. Then I started really hustling around working. I worked for part-time as a journalist. Then really got accepted to study law at the University of Sorbonne University in France. Then I went and did a four-year degree in law. And then I realized I don't want to become a lawyer. (laughs) And I decided to go uh, to Germany because at the time, Germany was uh, the number one economical power of Europe. And I haven't tried to get a training contract as a lawyer and failed 2000, over 2,000 times. I decided to enhance my skill to go and to learn IT and learn German. And then I, I got accepted at the University of Essen to do a German class courses. Then I went there and did that. And then also I did also a degree in information sciences. And by the time I finished, I got hired actually at the university by GE. So GE is called, I was working at the software side of GE, which is general GE intelligent platform, where it's about really all configuring and uh, fixing all automation software on big platforms. Then from GE, I move up, join Oracle. Then from Oracle, work for a while for uh, startups, uh, and then joined Microsoft. And from Microsoft, I led the data and AI business in Scotland, work on amazing projects, specifically like during the COVID time, I led a team of people from the Microsoft side to build the track and trace platform Scotland within six weeks. And then uh, the vaccination platform within three weeks, working with NHS closely with NHS Scotland. That's something I'm very proud of. And also while I was at Microsoft, I felt like I needed to do something to give back to Niger. And I worked with the government of Niger in building a program around Smart Village that led to get uh, funding from the IMF of up to 100 million US dollars to digitalize villages and bring services around healthcare, education, government, and also fintech to people in remote villages. And now I am at Google and I'm leading the healthcare, life science, and research sector. So as you can see, really my background is very varied from different organizations to different studies and also different countries, but always I had always a passion for healthcare and data. And then the very no thanks for sharing this bit of a fascinating career. And you said as well, we spoke last time as well, that you know, to I was trying to say about for our listeners, what was your navigation aid to, to all those different avenues that you went through? You mentioned it was passion, wasn't it? That you, you said that, that guided you on that journey. Yes, absolutely. Um, one of the things when I look back is actually I went from studying medicine because I was really passionate in helping people. Then I, I didn't finish because of many reasons, things that life throws at you. I did not give up. I continued to do other things. I ended up studying law. And then I ended up doing IT. And now looking back, being now healthcare and life science and research, 
lead at Google, it kind of made me realize, wow, I can connect the dot to all of these because my, my background in healthcare, in, in medical school, led me to understand more how I can communicate with clinicians, practitioners, doctors, nurses, in the language that they understand. My background in law helped me understand the challenge of how we need to protect people's privacy, how data, healthcare data is so important. And my background in IT helped me connect all of the glue to deliver value to, to people within healthcare and other industries. So it's good to have hindsight because then you, it makes sense to you. But I have to say, when I was young, I was confused like every young person in their 20s, what I needed to do. But there was one thing which was guiding me is I always find, try to find what can I do to add value to others and what can I learn along the way? And uh, how can I follow my passion and, yeah. and also my talent? And that's what I did. Fascinating. Well, thanks for sharing those. And you're saying as well about you know, your, your career journey, how it's aided you being able to join Dots, which is really fascinating. And I know a lot of young people may be listening to this podcast as well, and there's probably quite a lot of dynamics going on in the world at the moment. And what advice would you give them to keep them positive about the future and where they want to go? What advice would you give us? Yeah, thanks, John. I think that's a really, really interesting question. And it's so true now that we are going through a time where young people have a lot of hope, where we have a, a recession and there is a potential war in Ukraine and Russia. Things are looking gloomy. But I have to say, I were in a situation where that was my everyday life. So everything around me was without hope. And the only way I could move forward was that I needed to believe in something. I needed to find what is my purpose here and what is my passion. And it has always, what I found the greatest insight was whatever you are doing in life, if it's going to help other people and if you're going to add value to other people, you are always going to move forward. So all of the different paths that I followed at a time, they were really, I was stressed, I was threatened, I didn't have money, but I followed them because I felt like that was the right thing to do for me at the time. And now, when I look at each of them where I am today, 20 years later, I could really connect the dot and see that I might not know why I was doing this, I didn't know the outcome, but I was in a tunnel where I could have a sight on the light out of the tunnel. So whatever path it is that a young person is on today, I want them to be hopeful that life is made of very multiple seasons. You might be in your winter season now, but you need to have hope that after winter, there is something called spring. And then after spring, there is something called summer. And you need to be working towards that so that you are ready. When you have opportunity in spring, you can embrace them. Because my journey was started in, the, in my really darkest moment in Africa. I just, when I left Africa to come to Europe to study, I just had 100 euros in my pocket. Wow. 100 euros is what? Probably now 90 pound or 95 pound because of the currency fluctuation. But that's all what I have. And my rent, I just had it paid for three months. And I needed to live with that amount of money. 
for three months. And then if I don't do anything else, I am on the street. So the only thing that kept me going was my vision, was my purpose. And I had to work toward that. And I have to keep the faith that I'm doing the right thing for me so that I can help more people. At the point where I was, I couldn't help anyone. I just had to work on me. And I did that. And then I got a job. And I got I did so many little jobs that today uh, it helped me appreciate. Uh, one of the jobs was I was cleaning rooms in Hilton. Today I stay in Hilton as a diamond member. And they give me room for access to their room for free. So starting from cleaning those rooms and now staying in those hotels, it's a journey. And I would say where you are today is not going to determine where you are going to be tomorrow. Just have a plan in mind, have a vision. Your plan doesn't need to be clear, but your vision, you need to know what it is and walk towards it. Have a belief in yourself. When you get down, keep pulling yourself up. Fall, get up. You never stay down. If you stay down, you know that that's it. But if you get up, you know that you have hope that something is going to get better. So every time you get up, you need to do a step, one step, another one, after one. And then one day you will find yourself. So you don't need to have all those answers. Be hopeful. And everything that you need to, to succeed is already in you. It's yeah. not outside of you. That's what I have learned that coming from nothing to a very capitalistic society where money is so important. And then being where I am today, I realized I succeeded because everything I needed was already in me. I just needed to manifest it here. And I learned over time to do that. And that's really one of the advice that I want to give young people to never give up hope, specifically confidence in themselves. Every one of the young person that is today in this planet is able to achieve something. The question is, what do you want to achieve out of your life? And that question is only them who can answer. But there are many people like me, like people in the environment, there are mentors. Talk to people, identify someone that you want to be like, and then ask them to how do they get there. Don't copy their path, but just build your own path out of their experience. So that's some of the few advice that I would like to give to young people today, to never lose hope. There's always a light at the end of the tunnel. That's fantastic advice. No, thanks for sharing that. There's some really sage advice there. And it goes back to a little from martial arts about falling uh, seven times, standing eight, and always keep getting up. And yeah. But I think you, you paint a really clear picture in the sense of having that kind of vision and you mentioned, but your purpose you know, about helping others will always guide you in the right way but also something about you know it doesn't need to be sketched out and what i like about it is always from within you so it's always there you've got the power to do it but yeah really really great advice for our listeners thank you for sharing that no thank you thank you for giving me the opportunity definitely um i think being where i am today even now when i think about it i said to myself yeah it's another journey ahead it's never finished. Some people might think, yeah, he made it. No, it's just the start of another journey. Mm-hmm. And I keep always pushing myself to find something that I can do, how I can. It's always based on how can I add value to humanity? How can I add value to people? And I have passion in healthcare. How can I bring healthcare to the people who don't have access? How can I reduce healthcare inequality? 
Those are big questions. I might not have all of the answers, but I have a role to play. And the role I want to play is the one that can help people. Uh, great. Thanks for sharing that with us. That's really, really great advice. And I, I think also just going on from that, you mentioned as well, we spoke that you do some quite amazing work. And would you be able to share with us some of the things like what you have on the way and you know, how you, you mentioned as well briefly at the beginning about how you're solving problems for the communities using that sort of you know digital data analytics and technology, how you're fusing all of those together to help. You mentioned a couple of projects you're working on. Would you be able to talk a bit about, about both those projects and sort of some of the challenges you had with them? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think personally, I find myself being in a very privileged place. And the reason is I work in a space where digital transformation is now everywhere. And when it's come to digital transformation, really data uh, and analytics is at the center of that. And, and in my life, I've learned all of those because I was moved by things that I cared the most about. I, I talked about working on a project, which is a smart village project. It came from really one idea. How can we use technology to change people's life? Or how can we use technology to bring the people access to things that they couldn't have access to because the government is not there. The infrastructure is not there. But the technology is there. One thing that when we were thinking about the Smart Village project, which it's really about how can you bring services through a mobile phone and through an internet connectivity to people in the remote places in a village. Uh, and we look at the IT landscape and we say, look, the best way to do this, because Africa is a massive continent, you can just build like telephone line everywhere. So mobile become a clear winner. So the Smart Village project is about, yeah, we can we just need to leapfrog indeed. It's about how can we bring key services to people who live in remote villages? And the idea was if we can make it work in Niger, because Niger is one of the poorest countries, if not the poorest country in the world, then we can make it everywhere. And then we purposely choose one of the most remote villages that is in the desert at the frontier with Libya. There is nothing there. There's probably around 1,000 people living there. How can we help them if they are that far? And we built, I, I work with the government of Niger. We did multiple pilots. We include a lot of UN organizations, ITU, UNICEF, PAM, and World Food Program, and, uh, 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 and USAID. And then we come up with a platform that was built on a cloud platform. And then we come up with services, which is very key, which is around how can you provide education to people with good content that is up to date and that they can connect to a computer and they can access that education material while they're in a village where you probably have very limited access to technology? How can they have access to e-education? How can they access to good information about their healthcare? For example, tips around how can you make uh, water drinkable? to people in a village? Or how can you make sure that if you have malaria, what are the activity you need to do? And we put together platforms that people can access from their mobile phone, and you have access to all of this information. And we presented, and we did the pilot, 
And the pilot was so successful that the government of Niger decided to go and as part of the strategic plan for development, which is the part of SDG program, a sustainable gold program in Africa. They presented it to the World Bank and World Bank decided to fund it up to $100 million to provide digital transformation capability to people in Niger across the country. And there's a fantastic article about it. If you just type Niger uh, and Smart Village Project or World Bank, you can get the article. And also in YouTube, there is a, there is a link that explains the idea of the Smart Village Project. And out of that, really, we built a blueprint for all sub-Saharan African country. And I had the privilege to go to the African Union conference where all of the president, head of state of African countries were speaking and to, to speak about that program. And for me, that was one of the proudest moments of my life because it was me who left without any hope because in my country, I didn't have a hope that I can become something came, get the opportunity here, work hard, and now I'm giving back. And, and that's a really, I'm very proud of that achievement. Uh, on a professional level, I uh, when COVID hit also, uh, like there was, everything was upside down in the UK and everyone didn't know how to handle because no one knew how this before. And I was working for Microsoft at the time and uh, I was, we were contacted by the NHS because I was responsible for Scotland. And they said, look, we have this challenge. We need to be able to track people so that we can reduce the infection. We can understand the hotspot and we can do some analytics quickly. And it, it was an amazing challenge, but a scary challenge. You get it wrong, people are going to potentially die. So, but the... What, I, what really motivated me was, if you don't do this, who else will? And what you are going to be able to do, going to help people in a way that you can never imagine. So I didn't see it as a challenge. I saw it as an opportunity of my life. Because something that I deeply embedded in me to provide service back to the communities that I am part of, an opportunity came, I just had to jump on it. So I went, worked internally with uh, Microsoft leadership, bring my team together, work with the NHS uh, in Scotland, fabulous people. And uh, within six weeks, we, with multiple partners, we work together in synergy. We, we, we put together that platform, some, one, something that is unheard of in an IT area to do such a big project in six weeks. People worked really hard and I'm so proud of that achievement. And also I'm so proud of the people of Scotland and also all of the partners uh, in terms of NHS Scotland about what uh, they enable us to do together. Because by coming together, this is how we try to give something back and also to stand up against COVID. And it worked. So coming together, working for the right cause always benefit uh, humankind, humanity and people. And I'm very proud of being privileged to be part of that. Oh, fantastic. Oh, thanks for that. Amazing two examples there, aren't they? And we'll share the link on the podcast for the Smart Village and the Bees Around the, the Home Program. But no, fascinating. Oh, your strategy for overcoming failures is quite unique, isn't it, Raymond? Would you like to share with our listeners what your strategy is for that? Yeah, so 
I think people see failure in a different way. For me, I don't see failure as a failure. I see failure as an opportunity. Why? Because you have two options. It can be a failure and then it's keep you in the past, or it can be a learning zone. What do I call a learning zone is life is has a ways to teach you things, but your mindset has a way to make to make you realize that you are being taught. So when you get into that mindset, failure become a learning zone because you said, I learn now, then I learn this and I take it with me to the next, to the next, to the next. And uh, failure become actually your best friend. So I was never afraid to fail. I actually welcome failure because for me, it was a new thing that I'm going to learn. I'm going to do something different. And uh, what I find really outstanding today, especially on young people, is the fear of failing is so great. And I want to say to young people, embrace failure. Because out of every failure, there is something you are going to learn that's going to help you to find greatness at the other side. Because what fear does, it just keeps you in one place, right? And you complain. In the word complain, there is a remain. So you remain static. So what you need to do is to go through the fear of failure. Then on the other side, greatness is waiting for you. So never be afraid of failing. Embrace it and go through it because something better is there. And that has always been my philosophy in life. And it has always worked for me. And I hope that the young people who are going to be listening to this will look at their life and look at situations that they have gone through. If they consider it, it's become a failure only if you don't do anything about it. Then it's remain a failure. But as long as you stand up and do something about it, it's no longer a failure. It's still a mindset thing. That's great advice. It reminds me of something that was a Max Nikon trying to follow and advice. It's from Larry Page. I think he's a Google and says that uh, always be working hard on something uncomfortably exciting. And if it's uncomfortable, you know you're learning. Exactly. <laughs> you may be failing. Yeah. Yes. That's actually a really good point because we love comfort. But the challenge is you will never achieve anything great if you are not uncomfortable. Yeah. The reason is where you are comfortable is because you have conquered that. To yes. conquer a new thing, you need to make yourself uncomfortable. Yeah, yes. A position which which you, you learn loads by. Raymond, absolutely fascinating. And thanks, you know, you've been very, very uh, inspiring and uplifting in, in some of the sort of feedback you've been sharing with us and our listeners on the call. And I think, you know, yeah, really inspiring journey and, and your sage advice. I think what I love is that the, the piece about your passion, using passion as a guiding light to, you know, help shape and steer your, your career development. And, and it's already in you. You don't need to look outside. That's really a, a powerful message for our listeners also seeing your limitations and opportunity for growth to be successful what you mentioned was that lifelong learning being really part of that and then i find at the end of it the idea of any challenges you have of flipping it and flipping your mindset and looking at a perspective of it being an opportunity to learn and then you become unstoppable with that absolutely fascinating and thanks for sharing those uh wise insights with us and raymond outside of the role you're currently doing which i know is very very busy what, what do you do to relax if you have any time to <laughs> um, I have three kids. Uh, I have two girls and one boy, and I love spending time with my daughters and my boy. It's uh, seeing them growing is like seeing my life, but from a different angle. It's their angle. 
So it, it get me to learn something new again with different perspective about life. Apart from that, I love gardening. I love cooking. I'm actually a really great cook. Uh, yeah. My kids love when I cook for them. <laughs> and I love going hiking. And uh, I read a lot. I read a lot about history. Anything that will get me to discover or learn about something that I didn't know. Uh, so I buy a lot of books. Like every month, I buy any new book. So that, that's some of the things that I do. And I love spending time with family. I love family time where I meet my brother, sister's cousin. Uh, it's not regular, but from time to time, I love to spend time with them. Uh, I think use your time also for you, to be with, it, with you. What do I mean by that? Take time to talk to yourself. And bring the pieces that you seek from inside of you out by talking to yourself. So every morning before starting my day, I take about 10 minutes to just reflect on me. Yeah. And uh, sometimes also I just go walking and I reflect on me. And always with the outlook of how can I do better, not just for me selfishly, but for this world, for people. And through that, I'm actually doing a lot of good things for myself. So those are some of the things that I enjoy doing, really, in my free time. It's called that self-coaching. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, thank you. And can our, our listeners follow you on Twitter? Do you have a, a Twitter handle or a LinkedIn? Yeah. Yes, I do have a Twitter and LinkedIn. Uh, my Twitter is ahunon. That's uh, hashtag Ahunon, and then LinkedIn is Raymond Hunon uh, to LinkedIn. Actually, if you go to LinkedIn, you will find me. I'm probably the only one with the name Raymond Hunon. <laughs> we'll make sure we put those on the links as well. But Raymond, love you, and thanks again for, for joining us at AMXP podcast and uh, sharing your, your, your story with us. Fantastic. Thank you. Thanks again for having me, John. Really great to be with you. So I'd like to thank our speaker for joining us today and for everybody else tuning in to this podcast. Uh, Look forward to seeing you in the future.